0: You are now listening to the Talented 10th Podcast. The Talented 10th Podcast is brought to you by Mosaic Management and Consulting. To learn more about Mosaic Management and Consulting, visit bshare.com slash get started. So, since recorded quite a few episodes thus far... And since everybody's favorite episode is a one with my dad, now that I'm down in Monticello for the 4th of July, I just wanted to sit down with him. It'll probably have to be multiple parts, but uh, I just wanted to talk with him about kind of how he grew up and uh, just kind of share what's made him him and uh, know better way to do it than right here in the flesh so coach share otherwise known as daddy for me welcome to the talented tip podcast
1: well appreciate you having me man
0: okay so we do have our wine I know y'all are used to me cracking a beer or you hearing my margaritas so we got a glass of wine but take me through Wilmot Arkansas what's your what's your first memories of growing up? I know the background, but as much as you want to share, uh,
1: Wilmot was, a small farming community about at the time when I was in high school, I think the population was 1,005. Really? Um, you know, I grew up on a farm and like, um, uh, you know, so many black families of, of that time, you know, it was a close close knit community. Um I think we moved off the farm when I was in the seventh grade. So up until uh that time, you know, I did all the 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 typical farm chores. We had a typical uh sharecropping uh farm family. Um, and uh you know most of the people in the community were fell into that category, and uh, so uh, very close and, and you know after uh, the seventh grade, you know we my dad grand, grandfather at least had raised me. He was um, he got a job at George Pacific in Cross mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after that, you know, he he worked pretty regularly uh, there doing uh, uh, work there and everything stabilized a little bit better for us uh, financially. But uh, community was still very similar to it was when I was growing up on the farm. So uh, it was, again, a typical southeast Arkansas farming community.
0: Okay, so let's start with. Let's start with the farm. So when you were, you were little. Y'all were sharecropping in 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 Wilmot or right outside of Wilmot? Where you? I know where the house. Well. Was but.
1: Yeah. We were, I guess, uh, where we our homestead at least was probably about three to four miles outside of town. Um you know, we uh share crop for a um, a guy named Tom Reed who uh incidentally was a uh, uh, was a black I say black, probably a mixed uh uh landowner. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we would daddy farm not sure exactly how many acres, I'd say probably Uh, cotton soybeans probably about 40 acres I'd assume Um, was it
0: better to do you think it was better to share crop for a mixed or black homeowner or excuse me landowner than than not or was it about the same you think
1: it probably was about the same yeah I I don't uh it was difficult I'll put it that way and it Um, so I, I I don't know, I don't know that it would have been any different the other way around. Um, you know, it basically, uh, I can say about 40 acres, soybeans, cotton, uh, daddy, uh, farm with a mule. Uh, and you know, essentially, uh, he'd get up early in the morning and, uh, whether it was plowing or. You know, whatever whatever needed to be done to keep the crop going, and he spent from literally sun up to sun down working in the fields
0: on the forty acres. That y'all, we we. So he calls dad calls my granddaddy, daddy. But when I always talk about having the blessing of five generations alive at the same time. I know Granddaddy. Like, you know, he's no longer with us, obviously, or he would be, what, how old at this time? A hundred. Daddy
1: was born in uh, 1911.
0: 1911. That's, uh, so yeah, he'd be over 110 years old. But, I mean, I have vivid memories of Granddaddy. Uh, a crucial part of, of my life. I mean, for a long, long time, for me i mean so i got to hug granddaddy i used to sit on the couch in between granddaddy and, and grammy uh and even the the oldest pictures that i have with granddaddy he still was a mountain of a man and you could just tell he was he he had done hard labor for a long time but he had softened at that point i presume did it
1: uh, no doubt no doubt
0: um but when we would, when we would go see Grammy and Granddaddy, Daddy would take us. Sometimes take us the back way so we saw where, where that land was. And I, I guess now that I'm sitting here, I don't really realize how important it was to, to see, to hear all those stories. But now that I'm thinking about it here. Just to be able to see the land that was, that was, was farmed basically by hand. Yeah, with a mule and you just see it and you, I mean, daddy could point out and my dear daddy's mom would, he could point out one of the trees that she planted. I mean, it was just that familiar. So, so y'all were sharecropping. Uh, Who all at your earliest times was at the house? It was
1: Well, um
0: Mother and Uncle Charles.
1: Yeah, the the way things worked in, in our family, um Mom and Dad had they had two kids. Um, you know, uh, my grandmother, uh, Georgia May and um, and their son uh, uh James uh was was basically referred to as Junior. Mm-hmm. And uh and so they had those two. Then after that they had they raised my mom and her brother, Charles. Mm-hmm. And then following them, they raised me and my brother, Kelvis. So there was always uh, two kids in the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so when, as far as me growing up and, and Kelvis, it was very at, at the end of when my Uncle Charles was, uh, was on the way out because he graduated from high school the year before I started the school.
0: Mm-hmm. oh really i yes. didn't know i didn't yeah uh, uncle charles i'll never forget his laugh lord <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he, he was one of a kind I promise. Uh, good uh
0: good athlete right
1: great athlete and uh you know spent time in uh in vietnam and and actually um uh, there was some uh, uh as a result of it, really, his death was tied to the time he spent in vietnam and when you know when he passed away uh you know he he asked that me and one of his brothers scatter his ashes at our at our old homestead so mm-hmm. we we actually went over there after uh he was cremated and uh you know i I was one of them that that scouted his ashes
0: uh, where we grew up. Yep. So you, you mentioned the the chores and stuff. So when you were finally able to, or at least maybe let's start where you observe the work, because I'm sure there was a time you can remember before you were actually out there on a daily basis or after school. Yeah, what was that like?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, you know,
0: it's, it's funny when,
1: when we were growing up, uh what would happen when we got out of school in the evening if it was during the harvest season in the fall what daddy would do he would get several high school age uh uh kids and they would would pick cotton un- until from the time school was out up until it got too late and then he would take them in and course for me I was there and I was able to kind of uh hang around some of the older kids, which was was good for me. You know, I I look forward to that. Uh, I would also, uh, during anybody that that was ever around uh, farming during that time, whenever you pick cotton, then you would empty your cotton sacks in the trailer. And then you'd go back in and try to fill it again. And you were actually paid according to... How many pounds that you picked, and that's how that would—that was what determined how much you were paid. So once they would empty the. The sacks in the trailer, and I would get in the trailer, and they would call it. Uh, you would basically stomp it down so you could get as much cotton in as you could. So you got to get in there and play and hmm. and do things like that, and 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 again spend time around the older kids, and and that's you know those were some of my uh, uh most memorable times being able to do that. Uh, you know, it's so,
0: probably why so many of the. When we would be at Grammy and Granddaddy's when I was little, there'd be people around your age or maybe a little bit older that would still come by and see Grammy and Granddaddy. Right. So I'm assuming it's in part because they they helped all when they were little.
1: They did. They they did those things, and and what Mama would always do is. You know, if you came around the house, uh, regardless of how little we had, you know, Mama was going to feed you. Uh, she was going to do whatever she could for everybody. And, and everybody knew that if they came to the house that, you know, uh, you know, Mama was going to feed them. And so for a lot of people, uh, you know, they had a connection to her because of, of so many of, of those particular things that she was just... It was just a part of the way that she, she uh, had lived, and and that was a great connection through those things.
0: So there's a couple of, couple of things, and, and one thing I just a comment as y'all can tell. Sometimes you, I know y'all have heard some of these stories, whether it be at some of the events during law school, or, you know, when I say dad i i got to hear all of these things uh these are vivid memories so i can recount them because i've heard them for years but uh, I, for everybody listening i know there's a lot of young people uh, that listen man learn the stories of your family i mean for me, it's just I, I can't even really explain how important it is in maintaining that sense of responsibility in my life because I heard it, and, 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 and you see it. You see the scars of it. You see, you, you see the looks on people's faces when they're retelling it, and it's very important to understand where we were and where we, where we are and where we want to be. The first story I wanted to get to uh, is, is, you you know, when you were raising pigs. I know that was one of your morning chores before going to school. Can you talk about raising pigs and then the first time y'all raising them? And then when everybody came together to to kind of slaughter the pigs for, for the food, for the for the winter, was it normally going into winter? Or yeah, going, yeah. For the winter, yeah. can you talk about kind of that community atmosphere? So first, you know, raising them and, and kind of chores and and getting disciplined in that, but then also the camaraderie of that.
1: Yeah, for, for me, a, a lot of mine was uh, – I didn't do as much in the morning because we – our school situation was, um, you know, we had to walk – quite a you know really um half a mile three quarters of a mile to catch the bus and uh and, and that was pretty early so I didn't really have to do a lot in the morning but I did the the feeding and, and stuff like that in the evening that was part of my chores to uh to feed the pigs and uh you know uh, basically if it was during the winter you got kindling in for the fire you we had a, a, a regular hand pump we pump water for drinking and taking baths and different things like that and uh, so uh, you you really spent time as soon as you got home from school uh, taking care of the uh, the feedings and different things like that and uh, and that became something uh, just kind of routine for us yeah. and and now, in terms of the uh, the slaughtering and stuff, now that became that was a community uh, event. I mean, uh, you know, I, some of my most fond memories is thinking back to that because basically, people that lived around you, people that you knew, everybody would come together and you'd kill you'd kill hawks as we we call it, and uh, and that was that was a that was a major undertaking because you went from the killing to, uh, you know, where you, you bled them out, you 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 basically. Uh, you it was know, hands-on like, work. Yeah, you got the, the, uh, the you had to the, the clean the hair off of them, you had to cut, cut them. It, it was a major thing, and you had people, everybody had their jobs, and uh you know, and, and and you did things from, you know, obviously from gutting hogs to making chitlings to uh, – it, it, it was a major undertaking. Nothing but was wasted, I'm sure. Nothing was wasted. And it was uh, – I don't know, but the camaraderie and the fun because for the kids, everybody that came, they'd bring their kids. And then so you got to play, you got to uh, – uh, you got to see people, and it was just a festive situation. And, it, and this was usually done in the fall, after the crops were in. Then that's when uh, we we slaughtered the hogs, and and what what you would end up doing, you would do that, and uh, uh, you know, whether you had your hams and everything, different things like that. Once you got that uh, uh, prepared and cured, then you put it in the smokehouse. And it and those uh and throughout the rest of the the winter and everything the rest of the year, you'd go to the smokehouse if you needed a slab of bacon, if you needed a ham or whatever. You know, it was cured and it was hanging in the smokehouse, and that
0: was uh, describe the smokehouse because a lot of people hear it, read it in books, or it, it sounds like this sophisticated thing mm-hmm. but what was the what was the smoke out well
1: basically uh you would have a a you would hang the the uh meat and then basically i think we had like a a container that we that we would put them in and hang them in and what you had to end up having to do you had to cure the meat there was a there was a process that you had to cure the meat so it would be preserved so you salted it, you cured it. Not, I, I don't know the exact um, name for the for the for the chemical or whatever that the that, curing that, they, solution. They, yeah, the curing solution. But, but that that was done, and it was just kind of a a dark. Uh, uh, area that that you just kept it. It wasn't sophisticated at all. I mean, if Mama said, "Man, go to the smokehouse and get me a, a slab of bacon or whatever," I mean, you just went in there and opened up the container and got it out of there. So it wasn't wasn't anything sophisticated.
0: So, the last one before I ask you uh, or ask you kind of how that what lessons that taught you is tell me about the time that you. Uh, accidentally set the field on fire. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were uh I tell you what, the way that we kind of uh, uh the way the routine went for us, uh daddy would usually on Saturday evening would he'd go to town. And sometimes we'd go, sometimes we wouldn't, sometimes we'd stay. So there was a particular Saturday evening where Daddy had gone to town, so me and Mama and uh, uh, my little brother, Kel, we were at home by ourselves. And so we always burned trash in a barrel. There was a barrel out uh, not too far from the uh, from the house. We would take it in, and, uh, and we'd put it in, and we'd burn it. Well, what you were supposed to do was there was like a... A covering like a, a, a tub that we would always kind of put over the top of it to make sure the fire didn't blow out and uh, and catch anything on fire. Well I took the uh, trash out and burned it but I forgot to put the covering on it and basically some of the sparks and from the fire and being the fall part of the year where the grass was dry and so forth it uh, popped out, and it started. It caught the area on fire, and uh, basically, uh, what, what ended up happening, we had gotten in the the corn crop, and because we always uh, the corn, we would get in, and we would put it in the in what we call the crib, and that's what the hogs would eat off of the, for the rest of the year. But we had gotten that in, fortunately, and uh, but what had happened that fire spread and we look out and fire's going everywhere and there were probably right in the path of that was about four or five other houses and so there we were we didn't we did not have running water so we had to pump water and so we got to try to put the fire out just me and mama and and we look up and and, you know, poor course, we're panicking, we're getting water, trying to get stuff. And there was a, there was a lady that lived, uh, you know, down from us. Her name was Miss uh, Seney Joyner. And Miss Seney was hard-nosed, tough. Uh, she was a person that, I mean, you could count on. I mean, she had your back all the time. And, and me and Mama, we're there. We getting pumping water. We're trying to fight the fire. And we look up and we see Miss Cini coming uh, toward us with with a uh, a rake and a hole, And she's ready. And we kind of got. We felt, man, we we gonna get this done. And we fought and we fought and we got the fire stopped. And uh, and because our fear was it was gonna get to those other houses and burn them up as well. And so it was a major ordeal, but but I, I always remember that because that was a that was a trying time for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, every time you tell that story, I can I could just see the because you were I, you had to be worried. I mean, I don't know how old you were at the time. Um,
1: and it was my fault. I mean, yeah. that was that's what made it even worse. Hey, I knew it was on me. I didn't cover the uh, the barrel up and. And there was nobody else to blame. It was, it was, like I said, it was on me.
0: So that that, so there. Let at, at this point, what are the lessons? And that's why I chose those stories. What did that? What did routine? Because people know that I'm regimented, and if you knew how you raised us, even when Mama was here, and then after, for definitely, probably more so after uh it was just the three of us you me and brian how routine was so important to be efficient and focused in life so how did the farm life teach you about responsibility uh routine repetition and and those types of lessons
1: well, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it was always a part of the way we did things. I, you know, I watched, uh, watched Daddy over and over again because he was, you know, not a formally educated person, but tremendously intelligent, regimented, um, you know, take care of responsibilities, you know, keep plowing ahead. Uh, you know just not get sidetracked or because I watched him uh, you know come home in the evening after he's worked all day and and every night you know mama would sit there with a needle and and bust blisters under his under his feet and uh, because he had walked all day and then at Early that next morning, he was back at it again, and he had. There was no shoe cushions or no second skin for. I mean, he just plowed on, and so that's just something that, without even talking about it, growing up, it just became a part of the way that we did things, and became uh, uh, just. Um, you know, I don't know any other way to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. And what about family and all that? Cause I never forget, you know. Uh, Grammy and Granddaddy both are gone, but you know, Lord knows, I think about them probably more than you even know, Daddy. Uh, and I remember because by the time I was old older, I would like I said earlier, I would sit between. I would sit between Grammy and Granddaddy and. I either got that nasty caramel candy <laughs> or I'd play on that worn out. I played granddaddy and checkers in that worn out checkerboard. But they'd poke each other on the uh, on, in the side and they'd kiss and love on each other. I mean, the type of love that you know is so real because they had 77 or 78, I think it was 77 or 78 wedding anniversaries. Right. Uh You know, more wedding anniversaries than the life expectancy of an American. But I remember when you told me, you know, it wasn't always easy. I mean, and I'm talking about the love, not even the toiling in the, in, in the fields. And that was the first time I just, I didn't really realize what ups and downs in relationships were. What was it like, not specifically, but what was it like seeing that give and take in the house? Because everybody had a job and everybody had a duty. And may not can tell it in the story so far, but Grammy was, (laughs) she was tough. I mean, she wasn't some housewife. She was as gritty as anybody. What was it like seeing that type of enduring black love? Because well, love is different.
1: Well, I tell you what. It's uh, you see, I used to enjoy listening to my mom and and grandmother. Or some of them talk about some of the stories. Cause mama was uh, I tell you what. Mama was probably I don't know just. Height-wise, average height, five six five seven, but coming up, and you see the pictures. I think Mama weighed about a hundred and five pounds when she was when they got married and was younger. And but she was uh, she was a fireball, and I and they tell me about some of the battles they used to have and such and such and. Uh, but she was she was relentless and uh you know they they had a lot of ups and downs but but one of the things and it's and it's true even now when you have money issues as as you as for as, as a lot of couples have and so forth when they're younger when you have issues where for instance when we were growing up um, there's probably nothing more nerve wracking than farming because there's so ma- there's so many things that are out of your control. You have no control over the weather. You have best no thing you had was the almanac. Over- that's that's all. And it's and it's a difficult deal. And for us, the way our situation was, we got like uh forty dollars a month to live off of and uh, then you, we had the commodities we would get from what is peanut butter or cheese or that you would get, uh, the government would give out, and, and you would get that. And that's essentially what you had to live off of for the month. And then at the end of the year, once your crops came in, then you, you got a percentage, and the rest of it you had to give to the landowner. And if there was a year that you had a bad crop, and you didn't make what you were slated to make, then that carried over to the next year, and then so you had a you had some time you would get farther and farther behind. You were truly indebted to the land. You were truly indebted, and then so you couldn't leave because you were you literally owed so much. And uh, we always, as kids, we could tell when we had had a good year by what we got at Christmas. If we got toys, we knew we had a pretty good year. But if we had a bad year, on Christmas morning we had candy, apples, and oranges, and that's all. And and that basically, even as young kids, with not being sophisticated enough to know the bookkeeping, that told us then what kind of year we had had. And see, those pressures on relationships, money issues, indebtedness, all to go along with all the other things that go along with relationships and making things work, for them to stick it out and for you know 77 years man is is it's it's unbelievable because yeah. I know how difficult things were
0: and that was when you were when we when you started telling us those stories and like I said it never was in specifics but it was well that's how you that's why it made sense when they were in their 80s and 90s when they're still joking and poking at each other because you feel like you've, ma- I mean, what are you facing at that age that compares to right. to what what happened then, you know? Um, I, I'm so fortunate to have been able to see so much of that and to hear the stories firsthand. Well, that brings us to the end of part one of my sit down with Coach Share, my dad. Uh, part two will be coming to you next week. And we'll jump into what it was like going to school and being a part of the integration of a Wilmot School District and also learn a little bit more about dad's brother, Kelvis. Join me next week. I hope you enjoyed part one. There's more to come and I'll see you soon.